0: This is Basketball History 101 with
1: Rick Loiza. Welcome back to Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. And today we bring you the story of the Baltimore Bullets. They are the only champions in NBA history that no longer exist. I just want to be clear that this team should not be confused with the Washington Bullets team that played in the NBA from the 1960s through the 1990s before changing their name to the Wizards. In fact, the newer version of the Bullets named themselves after the original Bullets, the team that is the subject of our story today. But again, they are two separate organizations. As I mentioned, the Baltimore Bullets are no more. Every other team that has won an NBA championship is still around today, and that includes the first three seasons when the league went by the name Basketball Association of America, or BAA. Of course, some of those teams have relocated or have even and change their names but they are still essentially the same franchise or organization for example the Syracuse Nationals the 1955 champions now go by the name Philadelphia 76ers the Rochester Royals the 1951 champions now go by the name Sacramento Kings but the Baltimore Bullets completely went out of business and only exist in history books and podcasts like this one the name Baltimore Bullets is a reference to a building called the Phoenix Shot Tower also known as the Old Baltimore Shot Tower. Completed in 1828, the Shot Tower was the tallest structure in the United States at 234 feet tall or 71 meters. It was one of four such buildings in the Baltimore area at the time, although this particular Shot Tower is the only one that still exists today and is now a National Historic Landmark. Basically, the Shot Tower was used to make bullets now these are not the modern kind of pointed bullets these were the metal balls used in muskets which were still the weapon of choice back then in any case the team got started as a brand new team in the old american basketball league or abl in 1944 the abl was one of the first attempts at creating a truly national level major professional basketball league the league itself started in 1925 with teams in the eastern and midwestern cities Some of you might be thinking, how can a league be considered national level if there were no teams west of the Mississippi River? And I totally understand that feeling. Having grown up in Southern California, I feel like you have to include the west if you truly want to be considered national level. But if you look at what American populations were like in the 1920s, there were hardly any cities of note west of the Mississippi. Cities like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, Denver, Phoenix, and Seattle were all much smaller cities back then they were not in a position to support major professional basketball teams. There was also the issue of travel. Teams back then were not traveling to each other's cities by plane. The primary way to travel back then was by train. Train travel is not a big deal if you're only going from Boston to New York or Philadelphia to Washington DC. But if you want to travel from New York to Los Angeles, that trip took 10 days each way. That was just logistically untenable. Eventually, the ABL was overtaken by the National Basketball League or NBL. The NBL had deeper pockets and were able to sign better players. The ABL then became more of a minor league in the 1940s. It was the equivalent of AAA baseball or second division soccer. The Baltimore Bullets joined this league, the ABL, because they could. They were not considered strong enough financially or otherwise to hang with the teams of the NBL. So, the Bullets entered this league for the 1944-1945 season and made it all the way to the league's championship round, but they lost. The following season in 1946, they won the ABL title. And then in 1947, in what would become their final season in the ABL, they made it all the way to the finals again. And then they decided not to play in it. Another opportunity had come up. At the time, there was something called the World Professional Basketball Tournament. That tournament ceased in 1948, but it was a tournament that was held in Chicago every year and sponsored by the Chicago Herald American newspaper. The winner of the tournament was generally considered to be the world champion for that year. It was an invitation tournament that pitted the best professional teams from all over the country. The Harlem Globetrotters had played in it a number of times. So did the New York Renaissance, the Original Celtics, the Oshkosh All-Stars, the Fort Wayne Pistons and the Minneapolis Lakers, who were the final winners of the tournament in 1948 before the tournament was canceled. So rather than play for the championship of the ABL in 1947, the Baltimore Bullets decided to play in the World Basketball Tournament that was happening at the same time. After all, the World Championship Tournament was far more prestigious than their own league championship, but they failed to win it. Of course, their absence did not sit well with the leaders of the ABL. I mean, how would you feel if one of the two teams in your own league's finals decided to abandon the series to play in some other tournament in Chicago? So the Baltimore Bullets, having burned bridges with the ABL, decided to switch leagues and joined an upstart league called the Basketball Association of America or BAA for this league's second season. It was great timing on both sides. First, the Bullets were in a position where they had just alienated their own league, the ABL. And the BAA needed teams. The BAA had only completed one season of basketball, but had shrunk from 11 teams down to seven teams. As 4 of their teams went out of business after only that first season, the BAA really wanted an 8th team in their league to keep a balanced schedule. So due to their own desperation, they allowed this minor league team to join a major league and compete. Obviously, no one was expecting much from the Bullets. In fact, the other seven teams were licking their chops over the idea of having a bunch of easy wins on their schedule. Now, this is a good place to take a break, and I'll be right back with how the Bullets transition to playing in this new league.
0: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.
1: Welcome back to the show, and let us continue with the story of the Baltimore Bullets. As I just mentioned, the Bullets have just joined a startup league called the BAA that we know today as the NBA. The Bullets were underestimated as a team because they came from a minor league. It would be like a AAA baseball team joining the major leagues, or to use a basketball-specific analogy, it would be like a G-League team joining the NBA. But the Bullets were not a complete patsy in this league, as many thought that they would be. They had Buddy Jeanette, who was their coach and star player. Jeanette is currently in the Basketball Hall of Fame. They were also able to get a player named Connie Simmons in a trade with the Boston Celtics. In fact, during that season, the Bullets had six players averaging double figures in scoring. That is a ton, especially when no team in the league averaged more than 75 points per game. Remember, this is the late 1940s. The Philadelphia Warriors were the defending champions from the previous first season and they were looking to defend their title. So going into the 1947-1948 season, the Baltimore Bullets joined seven other teams for the start of the new BAA season. The eight teams were divided into two divisions. The top three teams from each division made it to the playoffs. And That sounds kind of weird to me too, that six out of eight teams would make the playoffs. From the East Division, the three playoff teams were the Philadelphia Warriors, New York Knicks, and Boston Celtics. From the West Division, it was the St. Louis Bombers who had the best record with 29 wins against 19 losses. But just one game behind them were all three of the other teams with identical 28 and 20 records. There was a three-way tie for the final two spots in the playoffs. The tie was between Baltimore, The Chicago Stags and the Washington Capitals. So the three teams played a short series of play-in games to determine who would get the final two spots in the main playoffs. Chicago beat Washington 74-70, eliminating Washington. Then Chicago played Baltimore, where Baltimore won 75-72, and that gave Baltimore the second seed in the West and Chicago got the third seed. Philadelphia and St. Louis got buys into the semifinals due to each team having the best record in their respective divisions. In the opening round, which was a best of three, Chicago beat Boston two games to one. In the other series Baltimore beat the Knicks also two games to one. That set up the semifinals. And in an odd way of pairing the teams for the playoffs, the BAA had decided that both of the number one seeds would play each other in the semifinals. So Philadelphia beat St. Louis four games to three. In the other semifinal, it was the two seed versus the three seed, where Baltimore had to beat Chicago, but only won the series two games to none. And I did a whole lot of looking at why Baltimore only had to win their series by two games, while Philadelphia had to win four games in their series, but I could not find any anything definitive. But things were much more loosey-goosey back then. In any case, that put Baltimore against Philadelphia in the BAA Finals. The Finals opened with the first two games in Philadelphia, with each team taking one game. The next two games were in Baltimore, where Baltimore won both, taking a three games to one lead in the Finals. The Warriors, who again, were the league's defending champions, had their backs against the wall. They came under pressure and won Game 5 by a score of 91-82. to and Game 6 would be held back in Baltimore, which gave the Bullets home court advantage. And the advantage was just too much for Philadelphia to overcome. Baltimore won easily 88-73, which was considered a total blowout back then. The team had just joined the BAA at the beginning of the season and won the championship in their very first year. But that would also be their last trip to the finals, because the following season is when the Minneapolis Lakers and George Mikan joined the league. The Lakers would own the NBA and win five of the next six championships, making it virtually impossible for Baltimore or any other team to climb the top of the mountain. However, 1948 was about the incredible story of the little team that could. After just six more seasons, the Bullets folded and went completely out of business. In fact, they are the last NBA team to fold. Now here's where I'm going to play the what-if game. What would have happened if they had stuck around just one more year to play the 1954-55 season? That is a season when the NBA introduced the shot clock. The shot clock sped up the game, which directly resulted in increased ticket sales across the league and even television interest, which created a whole new revenue stream for the league. Maybe if the Bullets could have stuck around for just one more season, they might not have folded at all and could still be playing basketball today. And I say that because since the invention of the Shot Clock, no NBA team has gone out of business. And in case you want to hear more about the Shot Clock, go all the way back and check out Episode 5, where I go deeper into the story of the invention of the Shot Clock and its impact on the NBA, financially and otherwise. Of course, ultimately, we will never know if Baltimore could have survived had they hung around for that extra year, but it is something to think about. In any case, they still hold the distinction as the only NBA champions in history to no longer be part of the league. So. That does it for today. That is the story of the Baltimore Bullets. Join us next time when we share the story of Sam Jones, the only player besides Bill Russell to have 10 or more championship rings. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to SportsHistoryNetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Lawiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon.